0: Miss Canty and Carlin.
1: Look, let me tell you what. You really don't have friendly co-hosts if you're not arguing over airtime and who talks more. I mean, it's just the reality of Sports Talk Radio, that's what it is. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM, Channel 80. Shea Cornette, Gabe So filling in for the guys here this evening. Thanks for being with us. As always, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Are we in week 11 in the NFL, Gabe? Is that where we're at? That's 12, 12. 13, yeah. 13, 13. Let's go with 12. I 12. 12. <laughs> Okay, thank you. I've lost track. I'm like, where are we <laughs> in this world? I should know. Twelfth month of the year, twelfth week of. The, okay, here we are. So, week twelve in the NFL. Often running last night, um, a Bills win in emphatic fashion, if you will, against the Patriots, and it gave the Bills their first AFC East win, which I think we were all expecting gabe um but nonetheless of course it didn't come with any drama before we dive into the beginning of week 12 and of course what we will see this weekend first of all gabe hi how are you i'm so excited to work with you we were texting earlier and obviously we had a pre-show meeting and gabe is you know, a host in the great state of Wisconsin, and it just feels good to have a little Midwestern roots, especially during Bears-Packers week. You know what I yeah, mean?
2: Yeah, we got Bears-Packers this week. It's going to be—I I wish it was—all like I, I, all week here in Wisconsin, we've been trying to get excited for it, but the Packers have just been so damn bad that I, I, it doesn't feel like there's any juice for this game, even though it's Bears-Packers and it should always have some juice.
1: It always does, and I don't want to hear about how your Packers have been bad, because come over to my life, okay? I Um, I
2: don't. That's the problem. I don't want to come over to that side. I don't want to be, I don't want to know what that kind of life is like.
1: For once, it feels like maybe we'll have a competitive game, and then I looked at the roster and everyone that's hurt for the Bears, I thought, actually, scratch that, never mind. At least we have Justin Fields perhaps playing, but even that I don't think is a good decision. Anyways, we'll dive more into that matchup (laughs) later on, because I'm sure everyone's like, "I roll, please, for the Midwesterners. But let's move uh, our attention to what we did see last night, and so that was Bill's and Patriots on Thursday night football for one finally a good Thursday night football game which I think we were all excited to see but nonetheless the Bills beat the Pats 24 to 10 uh, what we're going to take away from this though today is yes a Bills victory but more so it's going to focus on the losing team here and what we saw from Mac Jones on the sideline and that was him um, using some curse words and having uh, frustrations come to light if you will on the sidelines and i 'm um, not an expert in lip reading but i'm i 'm decent at it now. I feel like especially being in this job i 've had to do it from time to time with the NBA and the NFL uh, and essentially what he 's saying and i 'm going to paraphrase here to save everyone and um, save our company from having to get fined essentially uh, why are we throwing the ball? Or Why aren't we throwing the ball when our run game is bad? Does that work? I think we all understand what we're saying there. Um, But do you think this is maybe an overarching problem, Gabe, considering the offense that we've seen from the Patriots, the uh, uh, decline that we've seen from Mac Jones, and then now the outbursts on the sidelines? So, it's a couple
2: of things with Mac Jones. I, I don't know if this is necessarily all his fault. I understand he's going to get a lot of the blame, and the optics last night aren't great. When, you know, you're a second-year player who ends up kind of going off, you know, yelling like he did. Um, everybody was expecting him to grow. But at the same time, you've got new... I can't even say a new offensive coordinator because they don't technically have an offensive coordinator in New England. We don't know who's really running the show there. I guess it's Matt Patricia, and they were doing this co-coordinator thing, and they're both going to put Mac Jones in positions to succeed. Well, they haven't, and they don't have it, – it starts there, and then you – who's he supposed to throw the ball to? Like, you, you go down the list of, of Patriots wide receivers, and yes, they invested a second-round pick in Tyquan Thornton, but Nelson Aguilar – washed-up Hunter Henry, like, I, I, their weapons on the outside, I, he, he may not be playing very well. It's very possible. But I think it's just really hard right now, given everything around Mac Jones, to give him a fair evaluation.
1: Yeah, and isn't this the problem Brady had? <laughs> He felt like he had no weapons yeah. to utilize, and that's why he wanted to get out of town. I had to look up who the leading receiver was for the Patriots because I'm like, I don't even know who their go-to wide receiver is, and it's is it Jacoby Myers. Myers. Yeah, and by the way, Jacoby Myers had six receptions, not yesterday, but over the last two weeks, okay? <laughs> so it, it's it's embarrassing for this Patriots squad, and you're right. it's it's First of all, it's never on one player ever. I truly believe that but i will say for we saw mac jones do more with less last season than he has this season i do believe that nonetheless we heard from the quarterback of the patriots last night after the l and he was asked about the outburst on the sideline and essentially passing blame on the passing or on not having a passing game and utilizing the run more and so here's what mac jones had to say
3: obviously just kind of let my emotions get to me but you know we're kind of playing from behind and what i said was about throwing it deeper within the short game You know, I got to execute that part better, but it's the short game that we kept going to, which is working. But I felt like we needed chunk plays and, you know, I shouted that out to kind of get everyone going. And that's emotional. That's football. I'm passionate about this game. And obviously you don't want to get your emotions that get the best of you. But yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Like it wasn't directed at anybody, just emotion coming out and we kind of needed a spark.
1: I actually am not mad at this answer. I liked the transparency. I agree with him. Sometimes these things motivate players on the sidelines. I like a quarterback taking control. Look, we've seen – I mean, and I hate to do this comparison with Mac Jones and Tom Brady, but here it is. We've seen Tom Brady have outbursts on the sidelines a million times. You've obviously – and so have I. seen Aaron Rodgers do it a million times. Mm -hmm. I mean – good quarterbacks like to lead their offense and they want to get guys fired up and if they've got an idea that they think is going to work better because they're the quarterback and they see the field differently give it to me I I had no problem with the outburst because it didn't feel like it was directed towards someone like I had a problem when I saw Kyler Murray directing it towards his coach blatantly walking off the field and yelling at Cliff Kingsbury. It wasn't – it didn't feel like that in the moment. Do you know what I'm saying, Gabe?
2: Oh, 100%. It's, it's different, yes, when you're having those yelling and screaming matches with a coach, with a teammate on the sideline versus just yelling out your frustration. Right. And, it, it's always funny with, with NFL players because they have to get to such a mental place in order to walk out onto the field because it's so fast, so physical, so violent that you know they have to get themselves amped up in order to just step onto that field. And then sometimes when those emotions spill over into anger and frustration, when your offense only puts up 10 points two weeks after you put up. Three points, and the only yeah. touchdown you scored was on a punt return? Yeah, so there's frustration. And then we are, then everybody's shocked, like, oh, I can't believe he got frustrated. Well, his emotions are already high because they have to be in order to be out on that field. So yeah, I have zero problem when it ends up being like this, when when somebody just lets out their frustration as long as it's in, you know, like you said. If, unless you're doing it face-to-face with your head coach, then that's a different issue. But if you're letting out yes. from some frustrations because you want something to change for the betterment of your team throughout the course of a game, there's, there should be zero issue with this, especially the way he handled it after the game.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. So, again, the Bills beat the Patriots last night on Thursday Night Football 24-10. to 10. And so not only was Matt Jones, the quarterback, asked about the struggles of this game, but so was the head coach, Bill Belichick. Considering, when you look at the box score and what New England was able to do yesterday, their rushing yards totaled 60 for the entire game, and their receiving yards totaled 195. Not all terrible, but not all good, considering they only put up 10 points. Here's Bill Belichick on why this offense is struggling.
3: Why do you think the offense is still struggling so much at this point in the season?
1: Yeah, well, I'll just say tonight, you know, we just didn't, like I said, we just didn't do enough. Um, You know, had some opportunities and weren't able to take advantage of them.
3: You guys had a lot of the same players in place last year as you do this year, and the offense was a lot more efficient. Anything specific that changed from last year to this year? Yeah, I don't know. just,
1: Just got through with the game here. (laughs) <laughs> Typical Billy answer so uh have <laughs> dropped two in a row Vikings and Bills obviously two tough games they go on the road next to take on the Cardinals and then they stay on the road to take on the Raiders and then they've got the Bengals this isn't um I feel like Carlin laying out the schedule but anyways this and <laughs> <is, laughs> now I'm thinking about the open and Carlin laying out the schedule uh it's not an easy road is what I'm trying to say here and I, I you know Bill Belichick is gonna Bill Belichick but it's not going to get any easier, and if you've got a quarterback that's frustrated, maybe it's worth listening to him. Um, so when Mac Jones was drafted, Gabe, I was on air with Charlie Weiss, who used to be the offensive coordinator in New England and knows that offense, understands Bill Belichick, knows that franchise very well. And so he used to tell me every single day, any chance he could get into a microphone, how Mac Jones is going to be the best quarterback of this draft class. He's a perfect fit in New England, blah, 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 blah. So I texted him, I'm like, what's going on with your boy? Why, why can't he figure this out? <laughs> (laughs) And and he said basically what we started the show with, and essentially that was, well, he doesn't have an offensive coordinator or a quarterback's coach or anyone in his ear that seems to know the offense better than the players around him or that he does. And that is probably the issue, which didn't we, as the media I'm saying, bring this up? all throughout the offseason, like what is going to happen here with this offense? And if Bill's not going to be the guy that's running it and the one in their ear, who is and are they the better authority? And it feels like now we're seeing that obviously become a mess before our very eyes.
2: The one thing I think we overlook as fans and media and, and people who aren't necessarily in buildings every single day is how important those coordinators and position coaches are. Because those are the guys that spend a ton right. of time. We spend a lot of time talking about the head coaches and Bill Belichick and, and, and people like that. And understandably so, especially with the resume that Bill Belichick has. But you need to have the right people in place behind you to be able to develop these young players. And for so many of them, where they land is so important. And I understand Charlie Weiss' excitement when Mac Jones initially went there and then showed the growth last year. But then you have that turnover, and you got to find a way to, to kind of mitigate that. And, and, okay, we lost a guy. He's now a head coach. we got to f- have somebody be able to slide into that spot. And the Patriots just haven't had that this year. They no. just don't have that leadership behind Bill Belichick on this offense. And I, I think that's a direct correlation to why Mac Jones is struggling and this offense is struggling this year.
1: Hey, I'm with you. The Bills have won three straight against the Patriots for the first time since the 1999-2000 season. Buffalo has now won five of its last six games against New England winning by an average of over 17 points per game that is not good if you're Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots you can be a part of Canty and Carlin Nation on the Dr. Pepper call online call us at 888-SAY-ESPN that's 888 729 ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper it ain't college football season without the delicious taste of a nice cold Dr. Pepper the ones fans deserve Shea Cornette Gabe Neitzel filling in for the guys here this evening now the Bills on the other hand they've won three straight games doesn't matter who they're playing and the Surging, albeit two games came in Detroit. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> on the road, even though it was supposed to be a home game, there was a lot of travel, and it wasn't blowouts by any stretch of the imagination. But proof that the Bills could get it done amid adversity, and then obviously taking care uh, of a divisional opponent yesterday in the Patriots, and now they kind of have this this mini buy coming up. But I remember not so long ago, Gabe, where we were wondering if the Buffalo Bills are for real. Can they figure it out this season? Because we did see them take some L's. But it's not like any of these L's were like blowouts by any stretch of the imagination. I think we're just thinking we need to see the Bills blow out teams they're supposed to blow out throughout the entirety of the season, and we just haven't seen that. But are you believing in the Bills now after what you saw last night?
2: I have never stopped believing in the Bills. I still think that despite them being – um, not in the driver's seat right now in, in terms of you know, if the Dolphins win this weekend, then they fall back to the wild card right now because they played the game. They're the number two seed in the AFC, so you do that dance because they played early. I still think they're the best team in football. I just think that they have, the, especially with, with their schedule, I think they've got an opportunity to prove it. I just feel like they're the most complete team. Like, if you need to knock it down, drag it out, they've got a good defense. Oh, you, you need to play a shootout, like we saw last year in Kansas City. They've got the weapons and the horses to do that. I, I just think they're the most versatile team. I think they're the most complete team. They're the team I certainly believe in the most right now. They, they had a little bump in the road. I think everybody does, especially now with the addition of an, another, another game. It, it's a long season. You're going to have a couple of bumps. We've seen that out of the Philadelphia. Philadelphia Eagles they they were able to win a couple of those games that looked like were a little bit tighter mostly a couple of weeks ago in Indianapolis for, for Philly but I really believe in this Buffalo Bills team and I think they're going to start hitting a stride here in the month of December into early January
1: I agree with you Gabe I will say, though, not having Von Miller or a healthy Von Miller, however you want to look at it, is problematic. They brought yep. – during the regular season, whatever. Okay, fine. Because you can win some, lose some, have close games. It's not as serious. But the reason they brought in Von Von Miller was to take care of teams like the Kansas City Chiefs in the postseason. And so they're going to need a healthy version of him if they want to get it done. Now, here's, here's what I'm sick of talking about is the Buffalo Bills and their need for home field advantage. Have you ever – in your radio work fan life in football talked more about a team from like week two week three needing home home field advantage in the playoffs than we have about the buffalo bills can we stop with this nonsense if they get it great if they don't figure it out you just alluded to the fact that they have enough weapons to do so and they're the best team in the national football league can we stop with this home field advantage conversation please well
2: and i feel if they get one of those bad windy games in Buffalo. Like that the one weakness for the Bills is they haven't shown they can consistently run the ball. Agreed. I know Singletary's had his moments. James Cook's looked pretty decent at times last night. They rely and they on Allen, for Naheem Himes. But yeah, they Josh Allen is their leading rusher, right? But so yeah. he's, he's the guy that, that can be the bruiser. So them being at home, if, it, if they get one of those blustery, windy, windy days up in Orchard Park, that seems like it would work against them. You know, playing in a place like Miami or playing in, you know, any of the AFC teams that, that are currently in the postseason aren't you know, necessarily dome teams, but, you know, playing in places like that would seem to be more advantageous because of how Josh, good Josh Allen is and how good Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis are.
1: Yeah I I just I agree with you and that has been the knock really on the Bills you're right is the ability to consistently run the ball last year this year it doesn't matter and to me and look if the weather's horrific they're probably going to move the game anyways we saw that because it's dangerous so <laughs> yeah a, a very snowy environment sure that bodes well for a good run or a good running team but that hasn't proven to be the Buffalo Bills, I just think this conversation that we continuously have about one team—I've never experienced this in my life. Like we, and I think it's because we've just seen the same story written over multiple years now with the Buffalo Bills. And even if you're not a Bills fan, there's probably a part of you that like at least for me, that is kind of rooting for them in a way to get over that hump a little bit, and maybe this is the way that people think they can do it is with home field advantage. But my goodness, I'm so sick of this narrative. Just in case anyone's wondering, 2020, the Bucks won three road games to get to the Super Bowl, and then they took care of Kansas City. That was... The last time that this happened on the road. So it is very feasible that the Buffalo Bills could do the same, especially if they have a healthy Von Miller, that is for sure. Here are the AFC standings as they sit today. Chiefs sit at nine and two at the top of the AFC, followed by the Bills at nine and three, Dolphins at eight and three, Titans seven and four, Ravens seven and four, Bengals seven and four, Jets seven and four. So Titans, Ravens, Bengals, Jets, in a four way tie there, and then Dolphins, Bills, Chiefs at the top. I'm gonna ask you this really quick. Gabe, do you think it's Chiefs, Bills, Dolphins in the Super Bowl, or any of the four other teams I listed?
2: I will take one of the top three. Yeah. There are a lot of flaws with those other teams. I mean, you you take a look. I mean, the Titans, their their offense just has not been good this year at at all. And tip of the cap to to Mike Vrabel, I think he's the NFL coach of the year because of what he's been able to do with that roster, to have them in the position that they're in. Kudos to him. The Ravens can't stop blowing two-score leads. (sighs) I just can't make it make sense. And – you know, I I want to believe in the Ravens. I want to, but every week they're like, "Nah, we're not gonna you know we're not gonna protect this double you know this two score lead in the fourth quarter." Bengals. If, if there was one team out of the group, it might be the Bengals because they got hot and did it last year, but they still seem to have flaws. And the, the Jets need to figure out their quarterback position. I know Mike White was great last week, but I can't imagine he's any sort of answer going forward. So,
1: um, because you just said that Gabe, you know, I'm in the New England, New York area. I live in Connecticut. And I'm from Chicago, though, so, like, I'm kind of new to this whole New York East Coast sports talk radio. I mean, every radio station. Give me give me the Jets and Mike White to cover this and and break passing yards and this. This is his week. I'm like, okay, we've seen one good week. Got a Mike White this season. Can we all pump the brakes? I think he wasn't handed the starting job for a reason, but I don't know. But, yes, people believing in uh, – in the Jets, for sure, and Mike White and what his capabilities are. I would agree with you. I actually think it's the Bills and the Chiefs, and then the I'll take the field. Or I'll take Bills or Chiefs that yeah, you can have yeah,
2: the field. If, it if yeah, 100%. If you were to include the Dolphins with that other group. And I like the Dolphins. I just think that they, they're going to need a little bit more time. You know, yeah. it, what, the, what the Bengals did last year, that doesn't happen. Usually no, it's a little so bit rare. of a process where you build your way up. Kind of like what the Bills are doing you know where they they're kind of working their way toward the top of that mountain where the Bengals just shot to the top right away last year and had that opportunity that they ultimately did not cash in on but it certainly put them on on the map for uh, for everybody else in the country.
1: I agree. All right, so the Bills take care of the Patriots last night to start off week 12 in the NFL. 24 to 10 was the final, but of course, throughout the entirety of the next couple of hours, we'll turn our attention to the rest of the slate, weekend slate. There are so many fantastic games. December football is here and really every game is competitive for a reason this upcoming weekend. And, and we should all have our eyes on all of them. Shea Cornett and Gabe Neitzel filling in for the guys here in and Carlin on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM channel 80. What will we be able to learn from the jets as they take on the Vikings this weekend? Remember Mike white is under center. We're going to ask someone who will be there next. You're listening to and Carlin on ESPN radio.
0: Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. You miss Canty and Carlin.
1: Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Gabe Knightzel Shay Cornette, fill it in for the guys here this evening. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit us up on the dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Shay Pepler is me at g Knightzel sixteen is Gabe senior NFL reporter Jeremy Fowler here with us now. uh Jeremy, what is going on? Hope your week twelve as in last night uh went off with a bang. I know you're going to be in the house for Jets and Vikings that games in Minnesota. And so, Mike White, the sensation that is, is going to continue to lead this Jets team. What do you expect to see on Sunday from the Jets' offense? More of the same, or do you think it might look different?
3: Yeah, sure. it's uh, great to be with you. And I expect a little bit of the same just because the Jets really like his quick decision-making. Like, they're stressing with him, hey, we have a good defense. Like, you don't have to throw for 400 yards or even 300 yards. They just make good decisions. And so – Uh, The Vikings have an older secondary that the Patriots exploited a little bit a week and a half ago, so the Jets will be hoping to do the same thing. And so this is a situation where really Mike White has a little bit of leeway here with them playing Minnesota and Buffalo on the road back-to-back weeks. So um, I'm expecting him at least to get those two games uh, to see how he does.
2: Jeremy, with the Vikings, and even though they sit there at 9-2 and two and they're, they have the second-best record in the NFC, it seems that the narrative surrounding them is maybe they're not that good with only that plus-five point differential. Do you kind of get a sense that the Vikings inside that locker room are trying to buy into that narrative and turn it into motivation?
3: Uh, maybe a little bit. I'm actually supposed to speak with a player or two today. I mean, I'm curious about that myself, but... Uh, Like at least on offense, they know they can hang with anybody at any time. Like this this is uh, the real deal. You know, when I talk to other teams, um, they say, "Look, Minnesota might not be ready for the Super Bowl just because Kirk Cousins is somebody that um, you know." There's still a little skepticism around in in big games, fair or not, you know, but that exists. And they're older at some areas of the defense, but other than that, I mean, they can put up 25 or 30 points on just about anybody. So um, when you have Justin Jefferson as one of four or five options. You know, like I was talking to C.J. Mosley uh, this week with the Jets, and he mentioned, like, look, Dalvin Cook's a top five running back, and you don't even hear about him as much because of how good Jefferson is. Um, We have to stop him first. So uh, a lot of problems that they pose every week.
1: Senior NFL reporter Jerry Fowler joining us now here on KD Carlin on ESPN Radio. Gabe Neitzel, Shea Cornett here filling in for the guys this evening. Let's go to the Bills. Bills take care of the Patriots last night. That's all fine and good, and now they get a mini bye. But the question I have here is about Von Miller because he goes on IR due to that knee injury. Yeah. But I feel like there's been, I don't know, a lot of different reports about how long he could essentially be out. Well, IR means four weeks minimum, I guess. So yeah. what, do you, what, what do you think about this injury? What does that tell you that the Bills decided to put him on IR?
3: Well, from what I gathered, they just want to ensure that he's good for the playoffs. Like, there's a team that believes they'll be in the playoffs, have a high seed, making a Super Bowl run. And, you know, Von Miller originally said on his podcast, I believe, that he wanted to play in the Jets game next yeah. week. Right. I think the the bills thought like, okay, well, let's let's be a little more cautious than that. Give him the proper time to heal. Make sure the swelling is all the way down on the knee, and then it's a lateral meniscus injury that he believes he can play on. So they just want to make sure that okay, three or four weeks from now, do, does Vaughn still feel the same way? Because um, he knows if he gets surgery, the season's over. And so they they feel pretty good about being able to avoid that part of it. Um, And he's comfortable playing on a knee brace if he has to, and he's done it before. And he's, you know, he's one of the most gifted athletes in the entire NFL. That probably helps just his way of healing and playing around injuries. So um, there's still optimism. I don't sense the major issue here. There's no setback from what I've been told. They just want to give him the proper time.
2: Jeremy, when you take a look around the league and, and it's always going to be a copycat league and the, the blueprint for so long has been find a quarterback, whether you drafted him or not, like the Rams were able to trade for a quarterback, pay that quarterback and then try to build around that. But with the, the struggles this year of guys that got paid like Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Kyler Murray and Matthew Stafford, who's had a couple different injuries now this year, are teams going to be a little bit more cautious or is that still always going to be the blueprint?
3: Well, they could be. Some of it depends on the fit and the familiarity. You, know, you have guys like Geno Smith, right? Like Geno Smith still needs to finish the season strongly um, to kind of you know, keep his foothold on this great year. But it's pretty clear that he's been in the Seattle system for a long time, can operate it well, uh, and can thrive uh, with what they have going on. So, like, if you pay him, you at least know what you're getting. And, uh, you know, it's the same with, like, a Jalen Hurts, who is going to be a free agent, in twenty twenty four and you know they might have to pay him this offseason Well at least you know exactly what he can do. Uh and, and with that run pass option offense, he's gonna get yards on the ground and with his arm. So it just depends. Like Russell Wilson, you know, I was talking to some other teams about this. Like he goes into Nathaniel Hackett's offense, which was designed for Aaron Rodgers essentially, right? Um he was in Green Bay, it's that dropback offense. We have to make a lot of decisions on the fly from the pocket. Well, Russell didn't always do that in Seattle. It was a different offense, a heavier run game and play action and all that stuff. So I just think fit's really important when it comes to that. You can't just go get what you think is a great quarterback and just hope for the best. It's got to make sense from a coaching standpoint and the talent around the player too.
1: Yeah, interesting stuff. All right, Jeremy, thanks for the time. We really appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to you soon.
3: Hey, thanks, Shay. Thanks, Gabe. Have a good day.
1: See ya. That's Jeremy Fowler, our senior NFL reporter here at ESPN, always giving us the very latest and does such a great job. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Gabe will shake Cornett filling in for the guys. Um, really quick, I want to stay with what uh, Jeremy was just talking about, Nathaniel Hackett, while I have you, Gabe. Because are you surprised, considering how familiar you were with him, him being in Green Bay, how much he's struggled being in Denver this year?
2: Yeah, because Aaron Rodgers – Sung his praises. Just talked about how smart of a coach he was, how much he really helped out Rodgers winning those two MVPs back to back heading into this season. And look, I, I I don't know how much of the the it is the offense. I don't know how much of it is Russell Wilson. That that's for those guys to decide in there. But for for Hackett, it's been more obvious things. Like, the usage of his timeouts, his game management skills and things like that that you would assume would improve for a first-time head coach. He made some poor decisions early. You're hoping that they improve. They really haven't to this point. So that, to me, has been surprising, especially because the way Aaron Rodgers talked about how smart of a coach he was.
1: Right. And, and that might be like first year head coach that, and flutters is the wrong word, but like, you know, trying to get that out of the way, like there's so much that you have to compartmentalize that maybe things slip through the cracks for me though. It's yes. The offense looks horrendous. Then there's those things like time management. Then it's the fact that you hired an offensive and defensive coordinator with no experience the first, first time for everybody. And it just feels like for being such a smart guy, like these decisions were silly and, to me, that's frustrating, but I mean, maybe year two will prove to be different. I don't know, but year one—do you think he's going to get a him. year two? I was just going to say, year one already has him on the hot seat. I don't even know if he's going to make it there. I don't know because you're right. We're not seeing improvements. We're seeing it go in the wrong direction. Like it's 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 kind of the laughing stock of the NFL right now. The way this Denver Broncos team has operated from week to week—it's sad.
2: Because for so long with that Bronco team, we looked at it and went, man, I kind of like their roster. Defense is pretty good. Young, quarterback fun, wide away. receivers. They're just quarterback a quarterback away. away. Yep. So what are they? they go out and they get the quarterback, and they're worse than they ever have been. Meanwhile, it, it, and, and it might be a Russell Wilson issue because they struggled last year in Seattle. He gets traded, and now Seattle looks better than we thought they would, and they're in the middle of the playoff hunt in the NFC. So it could be a Russell Wilson issue.
1: Yeah. Which is also
2: know. crazy to think about, I, as it, good as he's been.
1: Right. Like, this is a guy I was banging the drum for, like, in getting an MVP vote. It feels like year after year. And yet still, that could be very plausible as well. The whole thing has just been a mess there in Denver we're going to go back to something though we did ask Jeremy Fowler about in a minute this is Canteen Carlin it's presented by Pro- Progressive Insurance it's easy to bundle your home and car insurance at progressive.com and that thing we're going to go back to is the fact that maybe these big contracts that we're giving to quarterbacks is now becoming a problem because we're seeing reverse effects from it we'll dive further in momentarily this is Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio
0: You miss Canty and Carlin.
1: I love DJ Khaled, but do you think his voice will ever speak for itself? <laughs> do, no. we, nope. do we have nope. to have Not the once. like, stamp on the song? <laughs> we need it? Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM channel, 80. Gabe Neitzel, Shea Cornette filling in for the guys this evening. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. So we were talking with Jeremy Fowler about this. Let's continue that conversation and – that is the fact of paying these quarterbacks all this money and then watching them struggle the very next season. It's painful. It's painful if you're a fan of the organization. And if you're like, hmm, I can only think of one quarterback this has happened to. Oh, no, no. Let me point them out to you. Here are some notable struggling quarterbacks who are getting paid majillions, okay, this year. Russell Wilson, 3-8 and eight record with the Broncos. Six passing touchdowns, five interceptions, $242 million. Whoa. It's sickening. It's it's nauseating. Maybe that's the one you already thought of, though. Aaron Rodgers lost seven of his last eight games. Signed a three-year, $150 million contract in the offseason. Gabe's very familiar. He's talked about that at nausea. Derek Carr, four and seven this season. Three-year deal, $122 million extension in the offseason. This one's the one that really gets me going. Kyler Murray, four and eight this season. Five-year, $230 million extension for no reason in the offseason this year. And then Matthew Stafford. Now, this is the one I'll give a little bit of a pass to because injuries have plagued this team, that is for certain, and they're coming off a Super Bowl win. But anyways, three and eight this season are the Rams, and Matthew Stafford signed a four-year, $160 million extension in the offseason. Some of it's sickening. Some of it's understandable to me. But, Gabe, your reaction to this and how you think it's going to affect the quarterback market in the future, <clears throat> Lamar Jackson. I, I,
2: <laughs> so, But but here's the thing with what the Ravens have been doing with Lamar Jackson. They have very obviously, to me, been like, yeah, we're just going to put Lamar on the franchise tag next year and see what happens after that. Like They very may well go with the Kirk Cousins route and franchise tag him twice and then let him walk away. Just because it seems that's the way they want to do it because they don't want to extend him. But teams are going to continue to extend quarterbacks. Right? They have to. It's the only thing that makes sense. You find a really good quarterback and you want to hang on to him. The two teams that are favorites in the Super Bowl to me this year are the Chiefs and the Bills. And the reason is because they have two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Agreed. The reason why the Eagles are where they are is because Jalen Hurts is playing unbelievable football right now. The very few teams are able to advance to the level of a Super Bowl without that superstar quarterback or at least a quarterback playing at an incredibly high level. It's why the San Francisco 49ers have tried to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, yet seemingly can't each and every season. But teams are going to continue to pay quarterbacks. Now, some of these are are inexplicable. I just can't imagine. Some of it I can explain away. Like With Matthew Stafford, he came in. Everybody was telling us, hey, he's got an elbow issue coming into the season, never looked like he got healthy, yeah. now dealing with more injuries, he's had concussion, Like he's, he's dealing with a lot this year. So if Matthew Stafford plays next year, I think he bounces back. I, I'd like to think that Aaron Rodgers bounces back because he's been playing the majority of the season with a broken thumb, but even before he broke that thumb, this Packers offense had been struggling. The one that doesn't make any sense to me is Russell Wilson. Like, how do you have single-digit touchdown passes at this point in the season? I, I, I can't make it make sense. It, it does not make any sense. Like at le- and at least with Derek Carr, it wasn't that long of an extension. It's only three years. Yes, it's a lot of money over those three years, but you're able to get out from underneath it relatively quickly. And again, there's a new coach there, so maybe that has something to do uh, because Josh McDaniel has not been very successful as a head coach in the NFL. So teams, are, I think, are just going to continue to do this, but it is fascinating to see all this money going to quarterbacks who are struggling this year.
1: And I I laughed and kind of joked about the Lamar Jackson situation, although he doesn't seem to be, you know, bothered by it very much. But I also look at guys like Jalen Hurts and how that will affect his future. Let's hear from Ryan Clark, our ESPN NFL analyst. He was on Get Up this morning and talked about this very thing. Here's here. Here's his reaction on teams and if they'll be willing to pay these quarterbacks the same kind of money and give these kind of extensions going forward.
2: You can't just, you know, cherry-pick from this season and say that Aaron Rodgers hasn't played well this season. Aaron Rodgers has been getting money, and Aaron Rodgers has made sure the Green Bay Packers have been rewarded for the
0: type of contracts that he has gotten. I think that quarterbacks will always get money because finding a quarterback that you believe can be a franchise guy is extremely difficult, and you do not want him to get away. And I don't believe the, uh, the failures of this year's money quarterbacks will make anything change in that, in that aspect.
1: Okay, so he's basically echoing what you just said, Gabe, similar to what you just pointed out. Um, the thing I will say about this is I think there needs to be rhyme or reason to it. I remember the season yes. that Baker Mayfield was playing really well. It seems like a long time ago now. But when essentially he led the Browns to the playoffs, and I remember having this conversation, and on if he was going to get this kind of big contract in the offseason because of the way he was playing, and I remember also saying, like, I don't know. Look at what's happened with Carson Wentz. You paid him all this money, and then the wheels essentially fell off. I think you need a bigger sample size than just one season or one playoff game. And for some of these guys, like uh, Aaron Rodgers and like Matthew Stafford, I get it. But then for these guys like Kyler Murray, I certainly do not. Even Jalen Hurts, he's having a remarkable season. But I would be hard-pressed to go ahead and give him all this money in this offseason. Let him do it one more time, and then give it to him. You know what I'm saying? Lamar Jackson has at least proven that he is essentially the entire offense for this Ravens team. Whether they're healthy, they're not. They have a run game. They have receivers. It doesn't matter. It goes through him. The defense has really disappointed me for the Ravens this season. Not necessarily always Lamar Jackson. And so... That I would even understand further, but I, I do think after what we're seeing this year, bringing in a guy like Russell Wilson with a new head coach, a completely different scheme, and a new city is not a recipe for success at all, Gabe.
2: No, I, I, you, just, you don't pay these guys until you absolutely have to. With Russell Wilson, you had to pay him, right? You, you traded for him, so you're going to give him that contract extension. Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, you had to. With Kyler Murray, you didn't have to. And now you're seeing what happens sometimes when you do that. You bring up the Carson Wentz example as well. It, it's smart of the Eagles to, to wait. The, the Ravens on the other end, they have probably waited too long. I, I don't like the way that they're handling it, but it's one of those situations where I think a Lamar is just going to be franchise tag. Weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.